This is the Yorkshire Voice Newscast, brought to you by Leeds Trinity University. Welcome to the Yorkshire Voice Newscast at one o'clock. I'm Emily Hartley here with the top news stories in Yorkshire. Today we'll be looking at everything after, as well as hearing from our sports and entertainment reporters. But first, we'll be looking at how the demand for food banks has drastically increased in Bradford over the last year. The number of people using food banks across Bradford has rapidly risen during the coronavirus pandemic. Nearly 22,000 people in the city have accessed an emergency food parcel this year. And last year, before the pandemic started, food banks distributed 13,000 packages locally. Emma Reevy, Chief Executive of the Trussell Trust, says that ministers need to do more. This is a problem that needs to be resolved. We can't continue to see year-on-year increases, which is why today we're calling on all levels of government to plan to end the need for food banks conclusively uh, and to put in place the actions to make that happen. And today's Earth Day, a day in which everyone focuses upon and gets involved in helping the environment. The Tree Together campaign by Yorkshire Dales Millennium Trust is one such project to help the environment. The campaign has planted over 100,000 trees so far, with a goal to plant 400,000 in winter. Marketing and Communications Officer Lindsay Wallace emphasises the importance of volunteers. We couldn't do what we do without people supporting us and getting involved as well. So um, it's also a key thing um, to do with the environment is, is making sure that people are connected with nature and that they can appreciate it and that hopefully that'll help um that'll mean that we, you know there's a generations of people who will want to look after the environment and nature and um into the future driving tests are commencing today onwards after being postponed due to the pandemic we hear from some learner drivers about their thoughts on finally being able to resume lessons and book tests again how do you feel about lessons and tests being available to the book and do it again? Obviously, it's it's good to be back driving. You want to pass your lesson as soon as possible. So, it's uh, yeah, it's good that you can start booking your test again, booking lessons, getting back into it. What has it been like being a learner driver in the pandemic? Uh, obviously, it's been quite difficult because it's been stop and start. I mean, we started in the summer last year and then we had to stop in November for a bit because of the lockdown. And then we've had to stop again the whole of this year. So it's been quite difficult, but every time you restart, you've got to have a bit of a refresher to make sure you still remember stuff. But we'll get there. Do you feel as though your driving experience has been negatively affected because of coronavirus? Uh, obviously, I mean, it's it's harder to book tests. I mean, you, you can't book a test sometimes. So it's been harder to book tests because of obviously every, we've... we've the pandemic and lockdown stopping and starting everything, it's harder to book tests. So it's not as free-flowing like normally you'd have a lesson or two lessons a week, but sometimes you can't because of COVID. So it's more difficult, I think. Yeah. Finally, do you have any advice for some newer learner drivers? Obviously, you want to get it done as soon as you can, but maybe wait a bit, I don't know, because obviously with the pandemic and stuff. You're just going to be interrupted every time. How long has it been since you last drove? I'd say a few months Yeah. at this rate. How do you feel about lessons and tests being available to book and like start up again? 
if I'm being honest, uh, I'm actually really glad that they're back up and available to uh, book and get going again because I think it's one of those things where it it will get people um, being able to get their independence back quicker. So it's actually a really good sign. What's it been like being a land driver in the pandemic? It's been tough, especially with regards to not being able to uh, extend the provisional driving licenses. And I'm one of those who has been negatively affected by it because now I have to reset mine, uh, my theory test to to get my provisional driver's license before I can do driving lessons again. So yeah, it's it's taken its toll. (laughs) Love the hassle. (laughs) Oh yeah. Do you feel as though your driving experience has been negatively affected because of coronavirus? Oh, definitely. I mean, and now because I don't have a provisional driver's license, I can't even practice driving with like um, a fully licensed driver, like for example, with a family member. So now I can't actually get on the road and like keep my uh, my training up so i i'm basically have to start again <laughs> i would not like it struggles that. right and do you have any advice for some new learner drivers put it like this this is definitely one of the th- hardest times to to learn to drive but once this is all over it's going to be a lot smoother keep at it it's going to be frustrating at times it has been for me but if you keep at it you keep working you'll be fine. How long has it been since you last drove? It's been about three months. How do you feel about lessons and tests being available to book again? Um, It's all right, but I feel like I have to spend more money on my lessons now because I'm, I feel so unready to go back to doing my test. Like, I was test ready before the lockdown and now I'm nowhere near. Yeah, I have to book a few more in before. What has it been like being a learner driver in the pandemic? Awful. <laughs> Like, I can't even sugarcoat it. It's just not been great. I've had to have my test rebooked three times, and now I have to redo my theory because it's expired. Oh, God. It's awful. I'm, I'm just going to ride a bike. Yeah, that sounds very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel as though your driving experience has been negatively affected because of coronavirus? Yeah, one, with wearing masks, it's really difficult, especially with someone who wears glasses as well. It's just... It's another hindrance that you don't need while you're driving. It's another distraction. And when I started to learn, there was far less people on the road. So I feel like I've not actually had a real experience of what it's like to drive through a city centre. And finally, do you have any advice for some newer learner drivers? I'd wait. Honestly, I would just wait until things normal out again because I just don't think you're going to be as prepared as you want to be, especially if there's a chance for another lockdown. And MPs have criticised government plans to restart foreign holidays next month, calling them vague and costly. The Commons Transport Committee wants more detail on which countries might be included on the so-called green list so companies and customers can plan. Several European companies are reportedly considering opening their borders to UK citizens again in the coming months, if they've had coronavirus jobs. However, Jet 2 is not set to resume flying out of Leeds-Bradford Airport until June this year. We've been having constant conversations with UK authorities. This certificate is going to ease the travellers and help tourism from this summer on. And now we have today's sports news with Tom Heath. It's been a busy week in sport, both regionally and nationally, with the aftermath of the European Super League proposal continuing to unfold. 
We'll also be covering the latest on local sides, such as Hull City, Sheffield Wednesday and Doncaster Rovers. Manchester City took another step towards securing a third Premier League title in four years with a 2-1 victory over Aston Villa last night. Phil Foden was once again the main talking point. He scored and was man of the match after another brilliant display from the 20-year-old. Former England player Jamie Redknapp says Gareth Southgate cannot leave Phil Foden out of the national team for this summer's Euros. His boss, Pep Guardiola, agrees with Redknapp's sentiments. He's growing. This guy is growing. Uh, he's making steps every time he steps forward. So his influence in our game is, is massive right now. Scored a goal, provoked the two yellow cars. He's, he's becoming a, a serious player. Guardiola also spoke about the European Super League and reinforced his trust in the people running Manchester City. I know the guys like I'm working with, they don't need, they don't need to apologise. I understand they have to apologise, but uh, I know them. I know really who they are and, and, and this is uh, the most important, but I understand the statement and his chapter is over. Marcus Rashford continues his amazing work and this time he's going to be working with Chef Tom Kerridge and they've teamed up to provide a series of cooking tutorials on a budget. They hope the back-to-basics recipes and kitchen tips for low-income families will help tackle food poverty. Social media videos will be backed up by recipe cards in supermarkets. The Manchester United star is keen to get kids cooking. It's just about getting them comfortable, really, getting them in the kitchen and, and just give them, give them confidence. It's fine to make mistakes. People make mistakes every, every day and... And just learn from them and, and become better at, at something that you're going to need anyway in your, in your everyday life. Heading over to rugby now and Huddersfield Giants are in action against defending champion St. Helens this evening. St. Helens have won their last six matches, so the task facing a Huddersfield side struggling for form this year is significant. Club captain Michael Lawrence has said the lack of consistency is the biggest issue the Giants are dealing with. They find themselves in ninth place after three defeats from three in Super League. Elsewhere, Leeds Rhinos will be hoping to put last week's defeat against Wigan behind them as they face Hull Cow on Friday. And Hull FC are also playing on Friday, facing a Wakefield side who are yet to win a game this season. FC are unbeaten so far, having drawn against Warrington Wolves last time out. There was a lot of Yorkshire teams involved in championship action last night. Rotherham took an early lead through Angus McDonald in the third minute. But Matt Crooks' sending off just 15 minutes later allowed Middlesbrough to get back into the game, scoring twice to take a 2-1 victory back to the Riverside. That defeat leaves Rotherham four points from safety with five games to play. Huddersfield also suffered a 1-0 defeat at the hands of Barnsley, a 65th-minute goal for Daryl Dyke being enough to secure three big points for Barnsley as they move six points clear of Reading and just one win away from confirming a playoff place. With the season's end edging ever closer, it's another big weekend across the county for many of our sides. In the Championship, Barnsley will be hoping to secure a playoff place if they beat struggling Rotherham United. It's a must-win game though for Rotherham, and a defeat could mean their slim hopes of survival are all but extinguished. Huddersfield travel to Ewood Park to face a Blackburn side who are just three points above the Terriers. Neither side are mathematically safe, but a win for either should give them enough to be playing in the Championship next season. Sheffield Wednesday have a monumental task on their hands when they travel to the Riverside Stadium. They're four points adrift of safety, making Saturday's game a must-win match. Middlesbrough haven't won in four, with three defeats in that time, so Wednesday will be hopeful of a chance to come back to Hillsborough with a win. Yorkshire teams are in action in League 1-2, with both Doncaster and Hull playing on Saturday. 
Doncaster host Fleetwood Town, with both sides having little to play for at this point in the season. Doncaster do have a small chance of reaching the playoffs, currently six points behind Charlton, who occupies sixth place. But four defeats in the last five suggest that Doncaster haven't got the form needed to claim a spot in this year's playoffs. Top of the table, Hull City come up against fourth place Lincoln in a massive game for both sides. A win for Hull would see them effectively secure a promotion spot and put them one game away from becoming League One champions. Lincoln, though, could move third with a win and are currently unbeaten in four. The Tigers, though, are unbeaten in 12 games and as the division's informed side, they'll provide a tough test for a Lincoln side who have maintained a top six place for the majority of the season. Finally, let's take a quick look at League Two. Both Harrogate and Bradford City are on the road this weekend, with Bradford facing up against Port Vale and Harrogate going to Carlisle. A first season in League Two for Harrogate has been a successful one, with the newly promoted team having already secured safety in the division, regardless of results in the rest of the season. For Bradford City, though, a recent downturn in form means they have little to play for in their remaining games, lying in 13th place and seven points off the League Two playoffs. I'm now joined by Chelsea Sewell in the studio with all the entertainment news. Hi Chelsea, what have you got for us? Hi, yes, it's been announced today that the Brit Awards will go ahead at the O2 Arena in London next month. It will be the first indoor, in-person live event um, since the start of the pandemic. Um, it's part of a government pilot scheme to get back to live music and there'll be an audience of 4,000 people. Um, they will not have to socially distance or wear a mask, but they will have to prove that they've tested negative before and after the event. The event will be hosted by Jack Whitehall um, and 2,500 of the tickets will be available to key workers in the Greater London area um, and they will, they will be able to apply for free tickets from Thursday. Um, I spoke to Nick Simcock, who is the manager of a music venue in Leeds um, called a Porto um, to find out how he feels about returning to the live music scene. We welcome it in that action needs to be taken to be able to test these things. I mean, it's not been done lightly, I'm sure. Um, you know, the team that run the O2 is the biggest indoor music venue in the country um, and the BPI and everybody else who runs the Brits are going to have done an awful lot of work in conjunction with the government to make sure that they can deliver this safely. Um, there are other similar pilot events that are being performed before the general public and before other businesses can uh, go back to normal and start doing this in order to test whether it is safe to do that. And I think for one of the landmark organisations in the country to be doing this, it makes complete sense because they have the resources and they have the profile. If they do it right and they prove that it's safe to do such a thing, then it, it opens the doors for everybody else to to start the process of going back to normal a little bit more as well. Yeah, and how do you think a Porto will go about, um, because it's quite a small venue, isn't it, a Porto? Yeah. Um, so how do you think that um, you will cope with these new measures and restrictions when the venues do open again? Uh, well, we've been preparing for it almost since, since we were closed and the government was starting to give guidance on how things might work coming out the other side of things. Um, we got some funding um, towards the end of last year through the Cultural Recovery Fund in order to be able to put on socially distanced shows. Um, so in order to be able to have music again, but with smaller audiences, um, less people in the room, more procedures in place, 
from hand washing and um, sanitization to cleaning of the room, better ventilation, things like that. Um, but with that in mind and with those processes in place, our current capacity goes from 120 in the live room to 28. Um, so in order to be able to make music sustainable in that environment, I mean, it's almost impossible to pay the crew, pay the artists, people like that. So the funding allowed us to do that and still have music and bring it back with smaller audiences in the meantime. Uh, we were planning to do that before Christmas, um, but because Leeds remained in the highest tier, and um, we weren't able to open uh, in order to be able to do that. So our plan with the current government roadmap is to experiment with the guidance that comes from events like the Brits and the Blossoms show in Liverpool and a few others um, to do these socially distanced shows from the 17th of May um, and slowly bring things back until we can have full capacity again. And do you think there'll be um, a high demand of tickets or do you think people will be a bit wary about coming back to live venue events? I mean, I think I think both. We have to do an awful lot of work to prove to people, both with you know the government's vaccination programme and everything else that's happening, but also the work that we do uh, in order to show people that it will be safe for them to do that. But we're already doing that with socially distanced food and drink outside and with the rest of hospitality opening up. It's hard to argue that it's any more dangerous for somebody to be in a room um, you know, eating food and drink or shopping than it is for somebody to be in a room while somebody plays a guitar or a piano in the corner. Yeah. I, I don't think there's any science that says that that's going to be the deciding factor whether the virus is transmitted or not. Obviously, people's behaviour um, and various different types of, um, you know, projection of voice can have an effect. And that's one of the main things that's being, uh, you know, investigated at the moment and researched in order for us to be able to open again safely. Yeah. I think... The demand is definitely there. We've got we've put some social distance shows on sale, and I mean partially because the capacity is 28 rather than 120, but also because people have just missed this, just like they'd missed going to beer gardens and everything else. A lot of the shows have sold out straight away, yeah. Um, which is great. We've still got a few on sale, but the majority of them, um, you know, their own fan base and then the regulars from our venue have snapped up those tickets instantly because they want to be part of return of live music and what does the socially distanced gigs look like is it people sat at tables or how does that work yeah i mean it has to be that that's the government guidelines um as they stand at the moment so um people can only be seated exactly the same as if you're in the restaurant having food or drink um you have to scan in using the nhs track and trace app you have to make sure that you wear a mask anytime when you're not seated um, obviously you don't have to wear a mask when you're drinking so if you're watching a show and having a drink you wouldn't have to wear a mask um, but people can only sit within um, them well outside obviously you can mix but inside it's a maximum of two bubbles at the moment maximum of six people again um, so it's about restricting the risk and reducing the possibility of transmission outside of household bubbles um, and I think that's what we need to do moving forward. You can't completely eradicate something just like you can't reduce the risk of anything in life to nothing. Um, but if we can make it as safe as possible and reduce the risk to anybody who's coming here, then they can make the choice about whether they want to then take that lower risk. And obviously some people are going to not want to take that risk. I have friends, I have family who are in higher risk categories who are still shielding. 
Um, and one of the things that we're doing is we're continuing to stream our shows and put them on the internet through our Porto TV platform on YouTube and Facebook. And that allows people to still be able to enjoy music and experience part of that experience at home, uh, even if they can't then do it in the real world. Yeah, definitely. And it will also be nice for the artists and uh, bands and things like that to also get back on the stage, right, Nick? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the recordings that we've done so far, even without a live audience, a lot of the artists, musicians, and even the crew, the videographers, the sound engineers, they've said it's been incredibly cathartic for them, both to you know feel like they're doing the job that they love again, um, but also it's important for us to be able to inject some much-needed money into that industry. One of the things that was really tragic about the um, the way that coronavirus affected different industries was that musicians and freelance people who work in industries like the creative industries weren't covered by the furlough scheme in the same way a lot of others were. Um, so they've really struggled for income um, over the last year. And that's then meant they've had to make a lot more sacrifices than maybe other people. So to be able to use some of our funding to be able to pay people, to be able to perform again, to be able to make these shows happen, means that we're putting money back into the ecosystem and hopefully sustaining it. Lovely to hear from Nick there. Um, I've heard that Tom Cruise has been spotted in the area. Yes, yeah, so it's not just the music industry that's getting back on track. Um, Tom Cruise has been spotted filming his new Mission Impossible film in North Yorkshire. Um, Caroline Nicole, Senior Commissions Officer at Welcome to Yorkshire and editor of This Is Why magazine, has expressed her excitement and thoughts about what the film will do for the region. Yorkshire's got so much to offer, so why would, you know, it's a perfect place to shoot a film because we've got everything from stunning countryside to a magnificent coastline to fantastic cities. We've got all the heritage, we've got the stately homes, we've got all the period properties. Um, so there's so much to go out, you know, we've even got these kind of gritty industrial um, places as well where you might get people like Peaky Blinders, where they film a lot. Thank you, Chelsea. Um, now, finally, we head outside on this beautiful sunny day to our reporter, Tom Heath, who is partaking in a national challenge in support of motor neurons disease whilst providing us with the weather. Hi, Tom. Please, can you explain to us what you are doing and why? Hi, Emily. So today what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to give you guys a weather forecast, but also I'm going to be participating in the Icefoot 92 challenge. And the aim of this is to raise awareness for motor neuron disease. So what I'm going to be doing for 92 seconds is putting my feet into this bucket of freezing ice. Well, it's full of ice. So I'm going to step in. This is freezing. Right, go on. I'm also going to try and present the weather that I'm doing when I'm doing this. But first, I'm just going to explain that it is very, very cold. I can feel freezing cold surges going up my feet, up my leg. But it is also a very beautiful day, so let's focus less on the fact that my feet are falling off and more on the weather. So it's it's been really nice all week. It's continuing to be lovely. There's obviously like a little bit of, sorry, very cold. There's a little bit of wind coming over at some point. So it's definitely the kind of weather where ideally I'd be bringing like a jumper or a jacket. But, you know, ultimately we don't get sunshine like this much in Yorkshire. So I think we need to take advantage of it. And I'm going to just give you an update again on my feet my feet are very cold but you know this is this is an amazing cause uh, and you know it's something which we need to bring awareness to and also raise money for so after this i'm going to be donating 10 pounds to the uh 
charity. But I think, you know, if you want to do it, I wouldn't recommend it. But I think it's worth doing it for charity. And, uh, you know, hopefully I don't have to go for that much longer because oh, my feet are actually really, really cold. So hopefully not got long left now. Ricardo's going to be helping me out after. But um, I hope you've enjoyed watching me suffer. And, um, yeah. So this is, uh, the weather's been really nice, fortunately. But, okay, back to you in a very warm studio, I'm hoping. Oh. It is. It's, it looks much warmer in here than out there. <laughs> right. Um, that's it for Yorkshire Voice News today, anyway. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, goodbye. This is Leeds Trinity University.